And good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, here we are. It's December 2nd, 2023, a Saturday afternoon. And a hearty good afternoon to all of you out there, all you Jovians, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Giovanni McIver here. And uh, today, it's been a while, but um, got kind of inspired yesterday to do a podcast on a musical subject. And so yesterday, December 1st, was the release of Peter Gabriel's new album, Io. Um, <laughs> kind of funny, because this album has been in the works for literally more than two decades. Um, he started some writing some of this stuff, apparently, while he was still doing Up, which was released in 2002. Um, but he, you know, he finally, uh, followed through on his promise and, uh, it's out there in all its glory. So he had been releasing one single of the 12 and 12, there's no accident there because it's 12 months in a year. He had been releasing them on full moons and I thought that was kind of a clever thing to do. Um, and he's also got this thing going on where it's, it's kind of a double album where, um, he has a bright side mix and a dark side mix. And, uh, even though I'm a little more on the dark side of things, generally speaking, my mentality for whatever reason, um, I kind of prefer mostly the uh, bright side mixes, um, except for the third song. And the dark side mix of the third song is, I think, uh, is better because he uses kind of a straight piano sound instead of a, a more processed sound. But uh, if you know Peter Gabriel, you know that he's it's a high production value. Um, always been like that, even in his days with Genesis. But um, I'm actually not going to get into Peter Gabriel today because I need time to digest that album. I've listened to it already about three or four times. And um, strangely enough, I'm it's not hitting me the way that his stuff usually does. I think, unfortunately, with some of these legacy artists at this point, we call them legacy artists, guys have been around forever. I mean, they're, they're brilliant songwriters, brilliant musicians, brilliant singers. I mean, Peter Gabriel comes to mind, Sting comes to mind, Paul Simon. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people out there who can, can do everything, right? Um, and do it well. And uh, Peter Gabriel was... Definitely one of those guys who was one of my heroes when I was a teenager. You know, um, I was born in 65, so by the time The Lamb came out in 74, I was only nine years old. So I, I don't really remember it when it came out. And sure, uh, and as everybody knows, he left after that. But that's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's an amazing concept album. Apparently there was a lot of tension going on. When they were making the album, but I th still think it's quite brilliant, and I think it's the best thing they ever did with Gabriel in that era. Of course, Collins came along, tricked the tail on, and, uh, you know, he has done some pretty fucking amazing work. A lot of people don't like Phil Collins, but I have to say, you know, his songwriting ability, even his vocal ability, eventually... Um, his solo career, I mean, you kind of can't take it away from him. Um, I mean, on the evidence, you, you got to give the guy a lot of credit. Um, and he did some brilliant work. I mean, even I'm qualifying it, and I shouldn't really be, because I should be wholeheartedly embracing him. But, you know, there's this whole, you know, Gabriel versus Collins thing with Genesis, and uh, I think it's kind of silly. They're just different things. Um, but Phil Collins has come up with some pretty... You know, it's not all, you know, just kind of fluffy pop stuff. I mean, he does write a great romantic ballad, but he has also written some of the greatest kick-ass kind of rock, you know, things that uh, have have ever been produced. I mean, they're pretty, pretty strong. And, uh, you know, the whole gated reverb thing on the drums that actually he and Peter Gabriel kind of, I think, collaborated on basically. Um, but he's known, most well known for it because he is the drummer of the two. Although, apparently, Gabriel does some drumming. Um, 
you know, you got to give it to Phil Collins, but I'm, I'm going to take some time to digest Peter Gabriel's stuff because I, I loved all, many of his solo albums. Um, he went through a lot of transitions, you know, from the first two out of the gate after Genesis were pretty straightforward, you know, uh, rock and roll kind of albums, you know, through the lens of the, you know, the British invasion, more or less. But then his third album was quite revolutionary in its um, approach, because that's when the production started, right, with all the the Fairlight CMI um, synthesizer, digital synthesizer, one of the first people to use that. And then his fourth album was uh, even deeper in that. And then he kind of changed a little bit with So and Us, and they became more um, popular music. But they were still had a lot of elements of the production value, great musicians to play along with them, some great, great songs, collaborations from those two albums. It's kind of his peak. And then um, when Up came out, I was kind of underwhelmed, a little bit like I am with Io. But over the years, I have warmed up to it, you know, so I'd say there's maybe about five songs on that album that I think are quite special and quite good. And uh, I think Io is the type of album that is going to grow it's already grown on me, you know. When I first heard some of the singles, I just I wasn't interested. I felt like, wow, Gabriel's the days of the peak Gabriel are kind of gone. Is it really worthwhile? Well, I think in any artist's life, you have to, you know, you can be surprised. Same with Paul Simon. I like his later work better than any of the stuff that he's well known for. And uh, you know, Sting gets a lot of shit too, but. I, I think he has some pretty amazing material from his solo career. Of course, the police were amazing. But, um, you know, Soul Cages is one of my favorites of all time. I think it's brilliant, and it's very underrated. Most people don't really like it. When I first listened to it, I didn't like it. But it really grew on me, and now it's one of my favorite albums of all time. But this is how things happen. So I'm going to leave, uh, gonna leave Peter Gabriel... Uh, for another day, but right now, what his release reminded me of is that Chris Stapleton's release um, is now fully out, and uh, what a joy. Now, I don't know if people have been listening to the bulk of my podcast, but you should know that my approach toward music um, mostly started in, in classical things. Well, I mean, really in pop music with the Beatles and, you know, whatever my older brother and sister listened to, I kind of inherited so even my mother was a big Beatles fan but you know I was listening to Revolver and things like that from a young age and you know any kind of pop music that was out progressive stuff too like you know there was Led Zeppelin and Genesis and Yes and you know all these bands even Aerosmith I mean I used to listen to a whole bunch of different things and then I got into kind of a after I, I studied classical music for about 10 years playing the piano. About the seven-year mark of that, I hooked up with a gentleman who was absolutely brilliant musician, teacher, um, friend of uh, someone that I knew, and I started taking piano lessons that were a little bit more un unorthodox, and I really narrowed in on what I liked about classical music. Because typically when you start studying classical music, you're doing all the dry stuff from way back. And although a lot of it is brilliant, I noticed that I had a very selective um, subset of things that I liked. And they mostly uh, were post-Chopin, you know, in nature. I really got turned on by Debussy and Stravinsky and Bartok. And then later, composers like... Uh, Webern, Schoenberg, Berg, those kind of guys um, who were more doing the 12-tone stuff or the um, atonal stuff. And uh, then uh, my teacher uh, and I continued into kind of a jazz fusion thing because at that time jazz fusion was pretty hot after Miles Davis had gone into it. Um, but it was kind of a high, highly complex 
structurally um, and very virtuosic, so it appealed to me. Um, and so I started listening to the likes of, you know, Pat Metheny, and uh, that's probably the most long-standing one that I still listen to, although there were a number of bands at the time that uh, I did listen to. And uh, there was a whole community of these jazz fusion guys who grew out of, um, you know, the, the straight jazz world. You know, people like John McLaughlin, Mahavishnu Orchestra, who I actually still listen to today. It still sounds good to me. Um, but there are other bands that, you know, they don't really, uh, you know, stand the, the test of time. Um, sounds very dated, mostly due to the instrumentation that they use. But, um, you know, there was kind of a, I kind of uh, grew away from it in a way. And then um, at a certain point, I decided not to pursue music anymore after I left um, for college. But I still did play for a couple of years because I had access to piano. And um, But then I quit after a couple of years because I went into mathematics and physics um, wholeheartedly. And I didn't play for many years, if not decade or so, even more until I got a little keyboard that was satisfactory, a little electronic keyboard. and These days I still dabble a little bit, but my chops are nothing like they used to be, and it's kind of embarrassing. I can't really play much. At least um, I don't seem to put the effort into it. But, uh, you know, I, then I got into jazz because I happened to marry into a family um, that was very deeply into jazz. Uh, my wife's mother was a jazz singer. She happened, this was in New York. I happened, she happened to know people like uh, Charles Mingus and other people like that. And I didn't know them. I came in a little bit after that, but she had a record collection that was stellar. And I, I just indulged, um, really got into, you know, traditional jazz. So when I mean traditional jazz, I was also the type, you know, who went back and looked into the you know, the origins, you know, the Louis Armstrong and all that stuff. But then I very quickly got into the bebop thing, Charlie Parker, you know, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Max Roach, Mingus, of course. And then I quickly got into the post-bop stuff. And that's kind of where I lingered for a long time. So, you know, John Coltrane, Monk was still evolving. I love Charlie Rouse. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time getting into them and, and, and other others of the greats. I mean, I'm still kind of exploring that world. It's um, unlike classical where I've kind of tapered off with it. I'm still kind of exploring the jazz world, you know, really getting into Wayne Shorter, you know, just in the last few years. I always associate him with Weather Report and didn't spend much time, you know, looking into his uh, pre-weather report days when it was more straight-ahead post-bop jazz, and I really love his stuff. Um, there's a great documentary, three-part documentary out there about him. I would highly suggest watching it. It's so cool. He's such an interesting guy, you know, very, very kind of time-traveling kind of guy. You know, he passed away not too long ago, but boy, did he have a, a spirit that uh, was, was kind of, I don't know, in outer space, I don't know, he's such a cool guy, but grounded at the same time. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get back to, uh, you know, recently I've been mostly, strangely enough, uh, attracted to listening to pop music. Um, Singer-songwriters, you know, anybody who I feel like has a big imprint out there. And I certainly think, even though I'm not a huge country guy, um, I think Chris Stapleton is a talent that you cannot... Um, avoid, if you can put it that way. Um, I'm just uh, so happy that I discovered him. Strangely enough, I discovered him listening to the Howard Stern's show one day, and I heard him playing a song off Traveler. I don't know what, I don't remember which song it was, but I was just kind of gobsmacked by it. Couldn't believe the voice, um, couldn't believe the skill with the songwriting. It was just him and his guitar, I believe. And uh, I said, who is this guy? And then, you know, I kept listening and I learned it was Chris Stapleton. Now, I was a little late to the game because Traveler had already been out and he was on his, you know, promo tour, you know, junket, press junket for it. And uh, I was lucky to cross paths with him at that point. So 
course, I went out and I um, bought Traveler. I listened to it, you know, really with um, <laughs> obsession. Uh, and of course, the rest is history. He had a long history before that uh, with other bands and as a songwriter. But here's this guy coming from Kentucky, you know, kind of an engineering type geek, you know, who has this dream, valedictorian of his high school. Uh, but he goes to engineering school and I think he went to Vanderbilt or something after a couple of years. He was just like, this is not me. And he moved to Nashville to, to pursue his dream as a songwriter. And uh, man, did he ever strike gold. I'm not, I'm not really aware of his early musical you know, um, development, I haven't really tried to pursue it, but uh, all I know is that he's a stellar artist, and I, I love him dearly, and uh, and his wife, so Morgan, or Morgan, I guess she calls herself, it's Morgan with an E at the end, for some reason I always refer to her as Morgan, I mean, Morgan is a force in herself, um, she is married to Chris Stapleton, but she had a career that or has a career that's independent of his for a long time, writing songs for well-known country artists. He's a fabulous uh, singer, backup singer, harmony, harmonizer with Chris. Their voices are beautiful together, as it appears their marriage is. You know, they got five kids, and sounds like a wonderful life. But um, and I might note that she's a producer on this album which is really great because I think she needs to take a lot more credit. I've seen Chris Stapleton twice live, and the first time I saw him was in the Country Musical Fest Festival in the country, and uh, I was I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, but people treated me well, and I had a great time carousing with people and the love of the music, and she was there as a backup singer, and so were the, the usual guys, um, the bass player and the drum player. I think that was it. And then he came to uh, a city venue that I attended by myself, and uh, she wasn't there. Uh, the drummer and the bass player were there, but I think there was an additional uh, rhythm guitar person, maybe even a keyboard player. And without her voice, I have to say, it, it uh, the, um, the production, the presentation suffered. And I was really surprised at how I missed her presence um, in, in what she does with him. And I think I'm convinced that without her, um, it, it's really not as good. And um, she's a vital part of that of that team. So don't underestimate her her uh, contributions. And I think um, it's. It's good that she is um, in on the producing part of it this time around. And you can, I will play some songs. Hopefully this won't get bumped because of licensing issues, but in fair use territory because I'm kind of criticizing here in a good way, constructive criticism. Um, I'm going to take a chance with it. If my show gets bumped off, so be it. Anyway, um... You know, Chris Stapleton put out a couple albums since then. There was first there was Traveler, then there were the two uh, the two albums that uh, were recorded in uh, what was it Studio A, I think, Volume One and Volume Two. And it was starting over. He seems to put out a new album every couple of years, and so Higher is his latest one, and it came out a couple of weeks ago. Now there are three singles that came out before that. Um. And um, they would get downloaded to my my phone when they are available. There's a total of 14 songs, 55 minutes. But uh, I would say about out of the 14 songs, there are really probably nine that are stellar. Um, the rest are good, but I, or very good even. But I wouldn't put them in 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 the, in the highest category of his work. But uh, Nine out of fourteen is pretty amazing. That's kind of his ratio. I mean, that's that's you know, with most artists, you did two or three songs maybe at the most, but with him, it's it's the great the great majority, like seventy five percent. You know, so when you do best of, you might as well just 
hand people all his albums because uh, you, you don't even need to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I love his songwriting. I love the way he arranges things. I love the harmonies, uh, the voices, the rhythm guitars. The bass player, for me, um, is like Morgan. Um, without him, I think the band would suffer. He's very skilled, he has a very melodic sense of bass playing. I love it. And uh, I just happen to like that style of bass playing. But um, his voice, I love to sing along with his voice. My voice is very compatible with his voice, my singing voice. I won't uh, <laughs> indulge in this in this podcast, but man, do I enjoy singing along with him. I love singing the, you know, the lead part, but I love singing Morgan's part too, which is a little harder because it's typically higher. But... Um, I just, I just, I just can't get enough of this stuff. So without further ado, let's get into the album higher. And I'm trying to think of how I'm going to do this, because do I want to go with the singles first, or do I want to go with the order that it's on the album? I think I'm going to go with the order that it's presented on the album. Um, most famous song right now of the three singles, which are all very good, is White Horse. I keep thinking White Horses. <laughs> But uh, it's called White Horse, and everybody saw his performance on the CMA Awards. Um, I'm actually going to see him in in uh, in Minnesota um, in April, and he's going to have some guest artists. One of which is the uh, is the artist who won a whole bunch of awards this this year. I'm not a great fan of hers, but um, it'll be interesting to see her and this other young man who's taking the world by storm another guy who can play guitar pretty well but i'm not a great fan of his either so i think i'll just show up late for the chris stapleton part of the concert but um that's good i can get there later starts at five i can get there like seven that'll be nice um taking my daughter she's she's by osmosis has become a a big Chris Stapleton fan, but uh, hopefully he'll play a, a good deal from higher. So White Horse was a big, big single, and it's been getting a lot of attention. Um, I think it's a great song. Of course, he collaborates with people in his songwriting, and I think it's a healthy thing. It seems like he does well when he does that. I mean, he writes some great songs by himself too, though. So um, that's almost you'd say that without. You know, it's almost absurd to even point it out, but, you know, um, he's a very gifted individual. Um, and I've been delving into some of his previous work with Bluegrass Band and the Southern Rock Band he was with. And, and I, I prefer the Bluegrass stuff. He made a couple albums with Steel Drivers, a band called Steel Drivers, and they're still around and they're, they're producing some pretty great stuff. But Chris Stapleton really found his groove um, with Traveler and... Uh, he was reborn, and uh, I think Morgan had a lot to do with that, and apparently the death of his father and this road trip he took, and uh, it was transformative. And, and the thing I like about Chris Stapleton is if you look at old photos of him, boy, but he's funny because now he looks so cool with his long hair and beard and no glasses and that hat of his and cowboy boots and the rest of it. And he looks so cool. And he, he seems like such a genuinely nice guy and cool guy, but... It's funny when you see the pictures when Morgan and he first met. He, he looks pretty much like a computer geek. He's got short hair, glasses, a little goatee, and I love it because he, he's such a dork. But, you know, and when I say dork, I say it with, with, with a lot of affection because I'm, I'm basically a dork too. But, you know, he has just blossomed into the most uh, wonderful ar artist and his persona has has come along in a, in a good way you know because some people use these personas and it's just bells and whistles and it doesn't really add anything i think um he's transformed himself into one cool dude so i really enjoy his whole presentation and the and the humbleness of his approach because he he's so gifted i mean he I, what like people are saying about him i think he is a generational talent um, they kind of broke the mold with this guy, and he's got everything. So without further ado, let's get into 
higher. Now the first track, um, when I first heard it, I thought it's a little bit like starting over, the first track of starting over. That's kind of just a pleasant song. It's rather mild in its presentation. But the more you listen to it, the more you get hooked by it. It has a kind of a cyclical feel to it, you know. It's just simple. It's got a couple simple chords, but it it kind of just, uh, you know, presents itself and then backs backs into itself again. And there's kind of a nice, um, uh, a nice uh, cadence to it. And uh, it was co-written with Miranda Lambert. And, of course, she is a younger artist who has a, an amazing career herself. I'm not really into her stuff, but this song is, I think, a well-written song. Very, very nice. It's not a genius, but it's, it's, it's very solid. And so, um, yeah, let's, let's give it a good listen. Uh, it kind of has that resounding style. It just, those chords ring out at you at first. So let's go. I'll give it you a little sample here. What am I going to do? It's called. Back to the beginning. Morgan's backing vocals. Really clear and crisp. A lot of times it's more in the background. Back to the beginning. So that's kind of the flavor of that song. It's it's a kind of a typical country song, you know. It's like the breakup, the drinking, the, you know, that's a little bit cliched, but um, you know, I it doesn't even bother me. I, I you know people are like, oh, you know, country music, you know, drinking women, pickup trucks, and well, you know, when the music and the melodies and the harmonies and the instrumentation is shit, then. Yeah, that material sucks, but when it's done with great skill, um, you know, I'm not going to do a lot of complaining. I mean, I guess you could be, you know, this is co-written, but I guess you could take a more sophisticated uh, take on the lyrics and come up with something else. But for me, it's fine. I mean, I, I don't mind, and it's actually got a little bit of humor because it's actually funny, right? You know, what am I going to do with myself once I get over you? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to drink myself to death, you know, but um, that's how much I loved you and all that, but uh, heartbreak. But it's done with a, a dose of um, of humor, so I appreciate that. And it, it ends so beautifully, too. It just kind of just, it, it ends the way it begins. It's just a couple of nice chords and that's it, you know. So I, I really appreciate that song. Now, the second song that I like is the second one on the album called South Dakota. Now, he's made another... Starting over, he made a, a real great, uh, a, another song named after state called Arkansas, and it's really a romp and fun, and you know, you want to get pe people riled up and partying, 
that's the kind of song you want to hear now. South Dakota is a little bit different because it's not that kind of thing, but it's it's a little darker. But um, it's still got that southern rock feel, which I love. And, and there's like little flourishes all along the way. They're really quite nicely done. Because once you think you've got the, uh, the you know, the, the kind of groove of the song, he adds a little element that makes it fresh again, you know? So it's a four, almost a five-minute song, but, um, you know, even though it's well, you know, trod, trodden kind of material in a way, too, it uh, he has a way of keeping it fresh, even within the, within the song itself. But a lot of people have said that this... Uh, Reminds them of the old days with the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and that kind of thing, and he certainly is well versed in that world. So let's give it a let's give it a go a go go here. So this is called South Dakota. Right out of the gate, you got that groove going. Now that love his guitar because he's a simple soloist in a way. Picks just the right right notes. Very tasteful. There we go with the whiskey again, but who cares? There we go. Distorted guitar. Those little syncopations there, beautiful. Alright. Got us walking down the road. different there. We're still grooving. Okay, there you go. Switches it up on you right there, right? That little motif is a little different. Keeps it fresh just when you're getting a little bored. Yep, he throws in a little short, tasteful guitar solo, you know, he's not, you know, going up and down the fretboard, no Eddie Van Halen here, you know, he does so much with so little, to where we were at the beginning. By the way, I love the little Wurlitzer piano in the background.
voice again. Just when you're getting a little bored, right? Again, another nice little outro kind of groove, right? A little funky, actually. So that's what I love about Chris Stapleton. He's got those skills that go from country to bluegrass to singer-songwriter to southern rock to R&B to soul. I mean, this guy just covers the whole palette. And uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. And when I say he does so much with so little, what I mean by that is, you know, he's not reinventing the wheel here. Like, he, there's nothing that sophisticated musically going on. But that makes it even harder with the history of all the songs they've written over the millennia. Right? He can still use these very basic triads, you know, very basic melodies, um, but come up with them in such combination that they're, they sound fresh and they sound interesting, right? That is really hard to do, right? If you're a classical composer or a jazz composer, you have so many tools at your disposal. You have so many things that you can go off on, right? It's not true with pop music, and that's why I give him even more credit, because he can write these songs that are amazing, with this very limited palette, I think it's, I don't, I don't know how people do it. It's impossible. When I try to write a song, the first thing that happens to me is I start writing a song that someone's already written. Like It's like when you're trying to sing harmonies, right? You're, you're trying to sing your part and stay away from the melody, right? Because that's not what you're, that's not, yeah, that's not your job. But the melody draws you in and you start wavering toward it if, if you're not that practiced like me. I'm not an amateur. But it takes a lot of skill to keep in in your part, right? And it's the same with the songwriting. It's it's very hard, at least for me. You know, once I if I start writing something, it 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 starts veering off to something that I know or that I've heard before. And before you know it, oh my God, I've just rewritten the same damn song that the Beatles wrote or the whatever, you know. And so you you got to be able to um, either naturally not have that issue or 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 you know work on it so that you you can you can you know keep your stuff from from you know going down a a road that's well traveled right so that's why it's so impressive to me now this fourth song from the album one of the singles it's called it takes a woman now chris stapleton is great at the ballad i mean um this is just so beautifully done the, the whole idea is so beautiful. You know, it really is kind of a, I think, a nod to his wife, of course. But, um, and it's very true to life in his case. I mean, I think without her, he might not have gone down the road that he did um, with Traveler and Post Traveler. So um, this is kind of a, a nod to her. And to me, it makes me very emotional because it reminds me of the kind of relationship that I had with my deceased wife. She died 10 years ago from cancer. But, uh, you know, she was uh, instrumental in my life. I mean, the happiest times, 20, almost 20 years, happiest times of my life, the most vibrant, creatively, everything was just working. We had a beautiful daughter together, still with me, and um, every day I wake up to her. She's, she's 17 years old now. But man, does she ever remind me of her mother, and it's it's beautiful. Um, so here we go. It takes a woman. This is very again a very simple song. You know, mostly just guitar, but the harmonies are beautiful. And uh, Morgan comes in and just kills it. So here we go. <laughs>
beautiful figure in that line. This is not easy to sing, the verse. It's a little tricky. The embellishments. Morgan, I wonder if she writes these parts. Oh, beautiful. Signature Chris Stapleton solo. But man, does this song ever reach me. I mean, it cuts me to the core, man. I, my, my eyes will just start tearing up and. Whoa. Beautiful. You are my comfort. The other thing is, when you listen to Chris Stapleton live, it sounds exactly like it does when he records it. That's how skilled these guys are. Talk about higher. Yeah, wait until you hear that song. You give it to me It takes a woman It takes a woman Woman who sees The best part of me Gives me chills every time singing the harmony part but I'm not gonna do it because my voice is gonna crack it's so high up there oh god that is sublime and then we go immediately into the fifth cut from the album called the fire now this I think Morgan had a lot to do with it she co-wrote the song it's a kind of a more feminine that's the other thing about Chris Stapleton that I love he's in touch with his feminine side but this is kind of a neat, a neat song kind of sexy you know sometimes I'm kind of surprised by you know how sexy this guy is Again. My daughter loves this song. I'm not sure if he's doing a falsetto there. I was. Nice little groove. Very simple too, but subtle differences that make it fresh. Yeah, talk about desire. Oh. 
don't know about you, but late at night, sometimes I'm thinking this way. women who just light you up especially if they're taken there's you don't have it any chance now this is where the little synthesizer comes in I like these little this little pad sound it's, it's real sweet and I think this is Morgan it's simple but subtle and really helps the song drum in there too which is very different for him but the next track is the other single one of the other singles which is a great song too um, you know, got that groove going again a little funky bass player I love his part here Bass, a little high trill is so such a nice touch. Pretty funky for a bunch of southern white boys. You know, kind of a, another forbidden love kind of song, which he seems to be attracted to. I like him. little bit of a string arrangement too which I think he arranged you know where is he gonna go next you know like Peter Gabriel my god this new album he's got some sophisticated uh, arrangements nice here Yeah, building, building. Hit it, Chris. Yep, keeping it interesting. Yeah, nice little figure there, too. And now this is why he's so great. He's keeping it fresh all the time. Um... So, you're getting an idea. We're about halfway through the album. I'm going to skip over White Horse because everybody's heard that. It's a great song. Kind of a southern rock anthem, I'm sure. Um, you know, has an interesting kind of motif in terms of the story. Um, you know, if you're looking for the perfect guy, I'm not him. Uh, but stick around. You might still like what you're going to see in a couple of years, you know? I mean, kind of like the uh, humility of that idea. Um, kind of contrasts with the uh, the knight in shining armor thing, right? Kind of, you know, chips away at that edifice in a way. But, um, so it's kind of counter your, your usual country 
type thing. Although, you know, in country music, the there's always that flawed male kind of thing. But um, anyway, I kind of like the the idea of it. I'm not I'm not going to go to higher yet, which is the uh, the song that the album is named after. Because that that we got we got to end with that. There's a couple of good songs at the end, 13 and 14, The Weight of Your World and Mountains of My Mind, I think that are pretty strong. At first, I, I, I was slow to warm up to Weight of Your World, but it's, it's a beautiful song. You know, the sentiment is like, you know, give me, give me, give me what you got and, you know, I'm going to try and console you. I'm going to kind of contain that energy, you know, uh, for you. And so I like the idea of it and mountains of my mind is a more personal personal kind of thing right it's more questioning your own mindset why do i keep torturing myself well you know where am i going to go you know how am i going to overcome my own you know my myself in a, in a sense so they're they're kind of companion pieces i think because one is saying you know give me what you got and i'm gonna i'm gonna hold it for you and the other one is like oh Man, when am I gonna finally come to grips with my own shit? You know, but here's weight of weight of your world, and uh, it's got some nice harmonies in it too. But these are both very simple songs. I say mostly guitar. I mean, but you know, there there are the drums and the bass. The bass, I think, more important. But uh, there's some wonderful. I want you to know. steel guitar and I think this guy is a veteran very well-known practitioner but throughout the whole album there's some beautiful accents provided by that player got a 12 string guitar there which gives a lot of texture but that that lap steel in country music and other musics too like hawaiian music it's it's just priceless there's no instrument like it i mean for atmosphere the way you can bend those chords and notes cascades like a waterfall you know it just drips in the best sense of the word 
Poignant. comes mountains of my mind. Now this one is even simpler and it's great because in the recording you can hear him shifting in his seat and you can hear the strings of the guitar kind of you know that squeak. I love all that. I'm so happy that they keep that kind of stuff in because you know honestly a lot of the recording production these days it tries to eliminate so-called defects but the defects are what make it unique and special. So intimate, conversational. It's like he's talking straight to you. There's a revelation that I might know. Somewhere salvation is waiting down the road. Talk about simplicity. I mean, it's, it's just like motif. Melodic waterfall there. I've been trying all this time, still can't climb the mountains of my mind. I mean, it's barely a chord, but it, it just works so beautifully. It's just a morning, no one's ever heard. This circumstances. Wisdom in there. I think I find along my line, curse the world and leave it all behind. Kind of shades of traveler again, right? That road trip, gotta get out of town. I've been trying all this time, still can't climb the mountains of my mind. Gotta clear your mind. But, you know, this is the thing. It's like when you think you need to, you know, jump through all these hoops and, you know, come up with something brilliant. Just, just, you can just imagine him just picking away at his guitar. I think just coming out, just coming out in its, its simplistic form and and being able to use it as the architecture for a, a beautiful song. I mean, that, that's magic. I mean, he, he's doing so much with so little on that on that song. Uh, it's impressive. But I think I'm going to close here with, because uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth, as usual, with the uh, title track, Higher. Now, you know, the theme has to do with, you know, kind of reaching heights, but, you know, this is where his voice really shines. So he he belts it out pretty well and, and, and one-ups himself, and then he takes it even higher. And uh, I'm going to play this whole thing because it's just... Stellar, and apparently he wrote this one a long time ago, but was a little shy in uh, projecting it out there. Um, I don't know. Is it is it too uh, sensitive for a tough guy like him? Well, you know, like I said before, um, I think he's pretty in touch with his feminine side, and uh, he should he should just wholeheartedly embrace it. But I know how hard that is for people of the male persuasion. But anyway, here you go. Listen to this one. Um, this is the one where you have people listening to the song and reacting to it in real time. And, you know, you get the screwed up face, the stank face, because it's, it's just, it's just not, I mean, in a good way, because it's, it's just, it's just hitting you in all the right places. So without further ado...
And I love that flangey guitar of his too. He uses that a lot. That guitar, the feedback. can you end any better than that? I mean, I think he does kind of go into the, that falsetto, that last little um, figure, but man, I mean, he can really get up there without a falsetto, you know? That's what's so impressive. I mean, he can get pretty low and pretty high. He's got a pretty good range, and I think that's what makes him special too. But it's full chested, right? I mean, it's coming. That 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 vocal is coming from your belly, right? I mean, with the exception of falsetto. But man, I mean, does that ever feel good when you get up there in that register and you can belt it out? I would not even attempt that because, again, it's it's getting to the point where your voice is just going to crack and whatever. But uh, wow. Man, when you're feeling it and you can hit those notes, there's nothing more exciting than maybe maybe shredding something on a guitar in your fantasy of fantasies. But, um, wow. I mean, that, that is just stunning. 
it just reaches deep inside. It's so it makes me so emotional. I mean, I just you know, and I think this is really important for most men, right? I mean, because um, you know we're kind of trained to tamp it down, and uh, it's great to see him up there and just letting it rip, and and you just going with it, going along for the ride. I mean, he's giving you permission to feel those feelings, and uh, as men, I think it's beautiful because we we were not really allowed. We're encouraged, you know, by women and other people, but and even each other. But there's always this little voice, I think, that, uh, you know, not always, but, you know, it's it's hard to escape in this, in this, you know, kind of hyper-masculine culture we live in right now. But uh, we need that kind of beauty from male artists, and Chris Stapleton has just nailed it. Um, I am so excited to go see him in April. Um could not be more excited um and i just look forward to everything he does you know from now on it's gonna be a couple of years probably until another album comes out but man it goes by fast because I, I could just listen to it over and over and over you know and and never get sick of it never tire of it just you know to be able to sing along with it you know, usually when I'm cooking or something like that, I put on my tunes. and It's the best way, you know, it's the best way to pass that time. Um, but anyway, um, I think this will be it for today. This is uh, Saturday, December 2nd, 2023. All about Chris Stapleton, the new release, Higher. Um, can't get any better than that, people. Really cannot get much better than that. So I'm going to leave it at that. Giovanni McNair is signing out for the By Jove show for today. And uh, I'll probably um, come back and revisit the Peter Gabriel album in a month or so. Um, I do want to kind of go through, uh, you know, a little bit of his evolution. I know there are a lot of people out there who can, can, can who just despise Peter Gabriel. They just kind of hate everything he does and everything he stands for. But you know, I don't really get it, but and in some ways, I, I think it's just, um, I don't know, there's there's a sensitivity that he has that I think um, can even make women get turned off. I mean, it's the strangest energy, but uh, maybe it's just a little too, too treacly for some people's tastes. But I don't know, I'm, I'm still a fan, even even though I don't, I think he's not probably producing, you know, he's not in, in peak form necessarily, but uh, he's in mature form. That's one thing that I've noticed from the album is that uh, the maturity of his artistry is, is, has progressed, you know. So whether you don't like the songs or not, you, you certainly have to appreciate the, uh, you know, his, his skill um, that's been built up over, you know, a lifetime. I mean, he's, um, what, 70-something years old now? Uh, he started when he was in his probably late teens, early 20s. So you got 50 years of wisdom um, being, uh, you know, injected into this stuff. So listen carefully, and uh, until next time, it's going to be it for me. Have a great rest of the day.